No Books in the Dark is on location in Columbia, Pennsylvania. We're outside Lancaster. You're probably wondering, why is he here? Why is he not in Baltimore? Well, we got some Baltimore connectors coming. We'll be right back at these messages. OpenWorks is Baltimore's largest makerspace, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welder and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun-free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www.openworksbmore.org or Instagram at open underscore works underscore bmore for class schedules, membership options, and more. No Picks After Dark is sponsored by Snug Books, an independent bookstore serving Northeast Baltimore and beyond. In addition to featuring new books for all ages, the store also carries cards, stationery, gifts, games, and more. Visit snugbooks.com to shop online, learn more about the store, read our latest newsletter, and find a calendar of events, or come browse the store in person. Snug Books is located at 4717 Harford Road, next to Zeke's Coffee in Hamilton, Laurelville. There is free parking behind the store and open hours are Tuesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Welcome to the No Picks of the Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. We are on location in PA. I'm so excited for this episode. This has been something that's been in the works for a while. And if you saw it, where I am right now, it is beautiful. This beautiful room, the aesthetics, wow. So I'm with Corey and Lee. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. This is amazing. I mean, tell people a little bit about you guys. We're at an Airbnb in Columbia, and so like Pennsylvania. So like, tell us a little bit about you guys. How did we end up here? It's been a long road. Um, so we are, we've lived in Baltimore for 15 years, and Baltimore is home for sure. And about in 2015 or so, we decided to be a little um, industrious and use our house in Baltimore as an Airbnb to make some extra money. Um, and we got the idea from our friend, some of our best friends who were renting their house in Annapolis and doing really well with it. Uh, so we did it. And it was our primary residence, and you know we put locks on the closets, type of thing, and would do it on the weekends and go take a trip somewhere, and um, you know kind of snowballed that into our first official Airbnb in um, Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, okay. and snowballed into another Airbnb, and then now this. Yeah, I mean it's been a wild ride with it. We've had a lot of fun with. Um, learned a lot over the time of running out your own space and scampering away when people are uh, renting your house and uh, just kind of scaled that over time and from uh, from a smaller cabin into the other properties and you know each time we uh, we get a little bit more uh, industrious in terms of what we're willing to do and bringing up the, the, the properties and making them really really cool places for f folks to stay at. So people are probably wondering, like, you guys are from Baltimore. Where did you guys used to live in Baltimore when you lived there? Where did you live? We lived in Canton and Brewers Hill for um, 15 years. Yeah, started at a – Corey used to have a blog called Baltimore Row House, and we were rent renovating his um, – right after we moved in together, renovating his row house together. 
And I mean, our style has definitely changed and like <laughs> matured since then. I think there was a green wall in the kitchen. It was, it was pretty bad. Yeah, you can you can even see the green wall, and uh, yeah, we actually got an HGTV at one point, yeah. and it was on it, and it was critiqued, rightly so. So uh, it was uh, it's been fun. So we started off kind of renovating on things, and over time, have just kind of played with that, and we kind of keep running with it. And uh, I I love projects, so and Lee likes to design, so it's a good fit. I love hearing about that. It's just it's fascinating because I mean this place is beautiful. I mean when you drove up, it was just like wow fresh air throughout the city, you know. So are you guys originally from Baltimore? Give us a little background about you guys. No, we're Midwesterners. I'm um, from Illinois and moved around quite a bit and um, went to University of Illinois. And after college, I lived in Chicago for a year. But then my family had moved out here, my parents and siblings, when I was in college. So kind of wanted to be closer to home and never left. I mean, I love Charm City. It's um, It feels like home. Unfortunately, um, we had a little tragedy in December and we had a fire at our home and, um, you know, we had to, we were displaced, we had to relocate up here, which I guess worked out because we're working on this project, um, but we are very much missing Baltimore and looking forward to going back. And I still, my day job, I work in Baltimore, so I go down um, once or twice a week, so. Yeah, and I'm originally from Michigan, uh, went to University of Michigan, go blue. <laughs> and uh, eventually uh, transitioned for a short stint down to the Gulf Coast for work. Uh, so on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and Alabama, realized it's very hot there and uh, switched back up to Baltimore. It's, it's still hot, but not, not quite as much and stuck around Baltimore for the most part. And, uh, you know, the past few months been uh, exploring PA. I mean, the fun part about taking on these projects is you get to drop yourself, you know, in these new areas and immerse yourself and check out everything that the areas have to offer. Yeah. So it's, uh, we call you know, it market research, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like go out and find the best restaurants because we want to be able to make the personal recommendations to our guests. You know, when they come and book with us, they're not just looking for a bed to sleep in. They also want to, you know, check out the area and find the best places to go while they're visiting. So now I ask all my guests this question. What is your favorite childhood memory growing up? Oh, man. I know I, mine. I have a picture of it, too. <laughs> I'll show you the picture <laughs> later. But um, my sister, so I'm the oldest of two of three siblings, and we would go visit my grandmother in Chicago, my sister and my cousin. And my grandmother was a masseuse, and she was also, like, kind of eccentric, um, Grandma Rosie. And we would just explore and, like, find what weird stuff grandma had around the house and like <laughs> I remember her so she um she would teach us how to like give a massage she had like a massage room and so we would we would just play and have fun <laughs> that's, that's that's cool yeah. that's definitely real cool yeah mine was probably a little bit later I think about how do I how do I cover that because uh I think probably in college my parents they they bought a uh, a place in Michigan on Lake Huron I think back to childhood, and even though I was later on it, like I still, I guess, it's kind of lump it in on childhood. It's just spending time on the lake and just hanging out there and going out in the water all the time. And I love being around water, and uh, I miss the the fresh freshwater lakes there. It's a little bit different in in Maryland on it. So anything with water, jumping out on it, I'm, I'm game. I love it. I have a boat license, so oh nice. I do like going out to Hartmiller Island and hanging out with friends. And every chance we try to get out there. Friend has a boat, so we take turns driving out there, and it's always a relaxing day to get out there and just yeah. 
Love boats. Definitely love boats. Summertime. Boating was a little part of our history as well. Oh, okay. It was a, it was a mistake. It was a brief, you know? a brief part yeah. of our history. Was it Airbnb <laughs> on a boat? No, but we did. It was a boat that we kept in Fells Point named Beyonce. And oh. it was, you could sleep on it. So like sometimes when we would Airbnb our house in Baltimore, we would go stay on the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it needed a lot of work, and um, we're very happy to not be boat owners anymore. <laughs> I believe it. it was a fun place to use to escape from uh, when we were Airbnb in our house. But uh, it, uh, I spent more time working on it than I spent having fun on yeah. it, and uh, I realized that's probably not probably not our thing. And yeah. that's part of the reason after playing with the boat for a little bit, where we jumped into this world, because uh, just uh, we can work on these, but I don't have to worry about these houses sinking. So that's a perfect segue about this. So Airbnbs, I mean, they're the thing. I mean, I haven't stayed in a hotel in probably over like four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say your friends introduced you guys to the Airbnb market, what was your first reaction to that hearing like, you know, we ran out of place. Does this make sense? Do we have time? Is that something we really want to do? Like take us through that train of thought when you guys first were introduced to it and you're like, eh, was there one the two saying, now let's just leave us alone. Or was it kind of like, let's see how it happens and like, roll a dice and go with it? We we kind of just went for it, right? I mean, we there, there were a few months of getting ready. You know, it does force you to like, if you're doing it at your own house, it forces you to kind of clean up and organize and make sure everything's in tip top shape. So I guess that was a benefit. Um, and it also forces you to kind of let go of material things in a way, yeah. you know, like, I don't really care. Some people would always ask us, like, aren't you worried someone's going to mess with your book or whatever? And I just don't care, you know? And people don't for the most part. We've, we really look out with, like, great guests, so. Yeah, and how we got into it, I think, is after hearing our friends do that, it seems, you know, it's your first reaction when people talk about it is, I don't know if I could have somebody in my space. And maybe you kind of get that initial first reaction, but after we thought about it, we're like, Okay, but then I think it really hit us. We were on vacation one point, and we're hanging out. We're not at our house anyway, and we're like, you know what? Like, if we go on vacations and love to vacation in different spots, why not rent out our house? Well, we're not even going to be there. And so that kind of brought that forward, and then we just kind of went through the process of making an ad, getting pictures, and it was a good opportunity to, like, declutter and get rid of stuff and, and make your house, like, comfortable. A lot of people don't realize, like, you're not just doing it for the guest. I mean, we love to stay here, too. And to make these spaces beautiful, um, you know, you get to enjoy it as well. So it's mm-hmm. the best of both worlds on it. I mean, folks, this place is beautiful. We are only in one spot. But, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, this room is the sunroom, we would call it. Yeah. Right? yeah. And it's just, it's, I mean, it's beautiful. I can't wait for us to do some video and shoot around here. But it's been really cool. So, the first one, was it in Baltimore? Was it your house in Baltimore? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so that was a test pilot. That was a test yep. run. Okay. Yep. So that house is already ready to go right at that point. Yep. It was turnkey. You didn't have to do anything to it. How did that work out? Did you have any mishaps in the beginning where you're like, all right, this is how it started. And like, ah, let's change it around this way. Or maybe we can charge a bit more. Or maybe, you know, because in the beginning, I remember Airbnbs were like very new. Yeah. When you got, so that was like yeah. a new thing. Take us through that a little bit the first time. We, yeah, we, I mean, we definitely question, like, is this the right thing to do and what's going to happen? I mean, the, if you don't doubt yourself, you're not, 
I don't know, you're not taking it seriously, I guess. And we, it did really well. And we kept kind of raising the price and to the point where we wanted to expand in Baltimore. Like we were looking for other, um, other places to possibly do in Fells Point. I mean, we just believe in tourism and like people, that's how kind of a city grows. And um, we believe in Baltimore, obviously. And then they brought in the regulations. So you, they make it very difficult. I think you can Airbnb your primary residence if you're grandfathered in. So that's a whole other story. But unfortunately, we decided to just, after the regulations came in, we decided to invest elsewhere out of state. So and we wanted it to be, you know, we, we're business people. So we're entrepreneurs. And we wanted it to be somewhere that was within two hours of Baltimore, D.C. area, um, you know, driving distance so people can do like a quick weekend getaway, close enough for us to be able to, because when the emergencies come up, to be able to easily go there, you know, on a night or weekend. Um, yeah. Yeah. So th at that point, we were just looking for a place that something different at that point. Once we decided it wasn't going to be in the city. And so we were shopping around and said, well, what, what was affordable? What was close enough? What's close to D.C. and Baltimore? What can we get to easily? And uh, settled in on a place in uh, Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. And... Uh, bought that and then uh, immediately whenever we buy a property we, we don't see what it is we're always walking in and seeing what it could be mm -hmm. and uh, so every everything we take on is always needs work in order to customize it so redid bathrooms redid a kitchen on it took a, a log cabin from a, a dark structure like a light and bright really cool space and uh, we thought that it would uh, do okay but we thought we'd get a chance to use it and for the first couple months, we were able to use it, but then it, it got busy. And uh, next thing you know, we were uh, we didn't really use it as much just because it was it was fully booked on it. And then I think by the time it was booked, we were kind of hooked on it of saying, "All right, this is this is really cool. So how do we, how do we run with this?" Mm -hmm. So it's been it's been fun. And everyone thought West Virginia was crazy. You know, and we're we're from the Midwest, and we we enjoy like doing yeah. outdoor activities and stuff, but. When we first said we're buying a cabin in West Virginia, people were like, what? <laughs> so, and same when we rented out our house in Baltimore, they're like, that's your house. Why are you renting it out? And we always kind of got the people who were wondering what was going on and why we were doing that. But to me, that was part of the taking the risk, you know, and doing it and, and rolling it into something else and finding success there. So I love it. We're going to be right back at these messages. We're going to talk a little bit more about where we are, how they got involved in PA, and this beautiful place and how they started from scratch and rebuilt this thing because it's beautiful from beginning to end. The pictures, they're amazing. So we'll be right back to these messages, folks. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-watering cuisine from falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. with delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. When you give to United Way, your gift could be the first spark of something bigger. It can help provide nutritious food for a family in need. 
because eating healthy shouldn't be a luxury. It can help someone with housing challenges and be a catalyst for a new beginning because a safe space to call home is the foundation for building a better future. Give today. Spark something bigger. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You would just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carry out, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. Folks, we are back. And this is an exciting episode. I'm learning so much about Airbnbs. And I'm like, hmm, let me scrap a couple of my nickels and dollars and coins <laughs> up and really get into it. And we have Corey and Lee here. And they've been an exceptionally great guests to have us here at their house here in Columbia, PA, right outside Lancaster, PA, right off Route 30. If you know where that is, come check it out. But get an Airbnb, reserve it first. <laughs> so let's rewind a little bit back before we go into this place that we're in right now. So pandemic happened you talked a little bit briefly about west virginia we'll talk about that a little bit later a little teaser for that folks but west virginia pandemic happens what do you do are you freaking out you you're you talked a little bit earlier you're rolling people are staying there left and right march 13th 2022 mm-hmm. take us through the whole process okay yeah heading into that point um you know we'd had the the cabin in, in berkeley springs and then we'd uh, bought the farmhouse property in uh, Harper's Ferry, and so those were those were running pretty well on on everything, but uh, a lot of people, especially our, our larger property that in Harper's Ferry, they um, you know we we had a lot of groups come together on that. So you'd have families get together, groups of friends that would come up there and, and meet up. So when COVID hit, you know that that was worrisome because all those different f- groups of people mixing on it. It's just the calendar cleared. I mean, it just immediately uh, emptied out. So that was that was pretty scary, you know, because we're going okay. You know, we've got the mortgage to pay. That that bill's co- still come due and everything. But what are we gonna do? But then we started to watch the you know everything tighten down really tight on lockdown, and uh, DC effectively shut down, and. Uh, things started to shift a little bit, you know, instead of two night rentals or three night rentals, now people were looking to get out of the cities and to, to get away from things a little bit. Cause at that time, everything was, you heard COVID about in the cities. So next thing you know, we've started to get uh, inquiries for a week or a month in that. And uh, it was smaller groups or, you know, core families or things, you know, folks that have, have stayed together and stuck together during that time would just go out to get away from everybody else. So it was really a worry for a little bit, but slowly it kind of built up and, um, you know, it, it went okay. And then, you know, post pandemic, not even post, but after people got used to it a little bit, you know, it was, it was busy because it was West Virginia, the idea of getting away and being out in nature, not being, you know, uh, 
clustered around other people in a city definitely uh, brought a lot of people out to that area and uh, yeah, it made it, made it super yeah. busy. We had to really adapt and, you know, enhance our cleaning practices. I mean, we always, I'm pretty meticulous about cleanliness and, you know, we have a great team that we work with, but we had to follow and like kind of sign a box that we um, follow these enhanced cleaning protocol and, um, you know, lots of disinfection and air purifiers and um, things like, at one point we even took out all the throw pillows and throw blankets and pillows in the house just because we didn't want to have to clean them in between each guest, which was kind of the protocol. Um, so yeah, they're, you know, taking out all of the board games because we just couldn't, couldn't rely on people to actually sanitize them between every guest. So there's, there's a lot of that. And, um, we still do the enhanced cleaning. Um, and we also kind of check in with guests before they arrive, like, Hey, is anyone showing symptoms? And we just ask them to, um, you know, be cautious about that. And if you get sick during your stay, um, to, to just notify us. So yeah, a lot of, some of it's kind of carried over to where we are now. Wow. So as entrepreneurs, you know, you're sitting there like people aren't, people are canceling. They're sweating a little bit. Like oh, you yeah. said, the mortgage got to get paid. Yep. The, yep. the electric bill got to get paid. Somebody has yeah. to do it. Was there any way that, were you modeling off any, anybody else out there? Is there like an Airbnb community out there that oh, yeah. like that? Other Airbnb people are like, hey, this is what we're doing. It's like a secret society of it. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> you know, because like, you know, you're taking advice from each other. So yeah. I'm just curious, was there any help out there saying, hey, we're doing this way. We're doing this way. Just getting going back and forth. Yeah. And it's funny. I didn't, we didn't really, there are tons of short-term rental, like host forums and communities that especially now I feel like so many people want to get into this industry, which is great. Um, but back then we didn't really participate in that. We were just like head down focused on how do we stay afloat in this business. Um, and I wish we would have, frankly, like reached out to other people. So. Yeah. We just kind of weathered the storm on our own on that one. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of it's just luck, you know, with how things turned out with getting bookings back, they were different bookings, but we just had to adapt quickly, you know, um, pricing dropped precipitously yeah. on that one, but we got longer bookings on it. So you just have to look at, you know, kind of what you're, what you're targeting, uh, in terms of how many nights you are and some of your rates. And when things happen, you got to adjust it and be willing to do that pretty rapidly on, on that. And, but it was okay. It was very worrisome though. Mm -hmm. You know, super scary since then. Yeah. We've started listening to a bunch of different podcasts and things in the, in this area. And that's been helpful as well. But at the time, yeah, we were just flying blind. I don't know why. I should have looked out more. We should have, yeah. <laughs> hey, we, got a lot of, we have lots of mistakes over the time oh, yeah. you know, that we've done. And, you know, you learn from them. Mm -hmm. But you're here now, though. So, yeah. so it's always, you know, hard work pays off, you know. So we're here in Pennsylvania. How did we end up here? Yeah, I mean, you, you're in Baltimore. We're out in West Virginia. Now we're in PA. I remember you guys mentioned in the beginning that you wanted to be close to Baltimore DC area. Mm -hmm. This is only an hour drive from Baltimore. Okay. They're only 25 minutes, 20 minutes from Lancaster, downtown PA, which is people you don't even know, you gotta come up here and check it out. It's real quick drive, easy. So you're right near 30, a major highway. Mm -hmm. How'd you find this place and why PA? So we originally wanted we knew we wanted to keep expanding the business. Um, and we were looking in West Virginia. We have a great realtor, shout out to Morgan, who's um, she's licensed in four states. So West Virginia, Pennsylvania, we were looking in Maryland, Virginia. And this was all in the fall of 2021. And I mean, the prices were just 
they kept going up. Mm. Um, the competition was really growing. And we, we have kind of a target, um, kind of a unique um, thing that we're looking for. We want something that has some character, some history, um, a place that is really unique. And you know, to your point about not staying in a hotel, <laughs> Um, there's a reason that you don't stay in a hotel because you have a whole house that you can enjoy and has beautiful outdoor spaces. So, our, and it's also, um, an air, we also wanted to find something that didn't have an HOA because a lot of times they don't allow Airbnbs. So you have to be very careful on that. Um, tax implications, you know, we had to consider that. But Corey found <laughs> this one. I'll let you tell this part. Yeah, I mean, our goal really was to stay in West Virginia on, on the expansion on it. I mean, our our uh, social media was set up around West Virginia name and yeah. adapted <laughs> since we bought to Perennial Stays on uh, with the PA property. But we um, we were just looking around, and in the end, you kind of go back to what your core values are in terms of where you want to go. And we like the historic aspect. We like the idea of you know two hours away from major cities, and this one. Uh, since nothing was really interesting or, you know, was drawing us in in West Virginia, we said, well, this is still two hours away. And you're a little closer, closer to Philly and a few hours from New York as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, all of a sudden, you know, Lee, Lee thinks I'm nuts, I'll, I think, a little bit because I'll always be hunting. Like I, He's always hunting. Um, I look on, you know, Facebook page for the love of old houses. <laughs> That's actually where we found the farmhouse at was for that. Wow. was on that page there. So... We did that, and then I remember kind of thinking, this house, I sent it to Lee, but it wasn't in our core area we were looking at, and uh, she saw it, and it was like, kind of love at first sight on yeah. it. I mean, it kind of checked a lot of the boxes on the things that we look for in these properties that are just a little bit different and might uh, scare some other people away. You know, this property is actually two houses. So it's got the, the one property or the one house we're in and across the driveway, a whole separate uh, uh, building on it. And to some folks as a family might look at that and say, well, that's, uh, how's that work for us, for them? For us, it was super interesting on it. And so, yeah, we came out here and had our good poker face on as we're, we're <laughs> dealing with the seller's agent here. But we got in the car on the way home and immediately we're like, Yes. <laughs> we, we had we had our, our realtor Morgan, Morgan uh, pre-draft the uh, the letter. So I think he got yeah. back to the office and was like, "All right, here's the offer." And yeah. So, tell us about this place. I mean, it has so much character. I've heard their streams come through here. Mm-hmm. And this is a former distillery. Yeah. Wow. So there's booze being made here. There is. There so was. There's a lot of so there's a lot of history <laughs> in this building. So, like, is there any, like, can you tell us a bit about it or the history about this? And Because, I mean, that's these walls could talk. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of stories here. Oh, yeah. Um, Mid-1700s is when um, we're told that the property originated. Um, and there is an artesian spring that is actually the water source for the property. It, it's delicious. I don't know why. It's like, wow. <laughs> you'll yeah. have to taste it. Wow. Um, um, I don't know. It's just very clean and crisp and, yeah, I don't know. And it's, uh, it's, I just love the setting. It's idyllic. Um, and then, th so this one was 1700s and a former barn, former distillery. The one across the way that is coming to Airbnb soon is, we're told it was a general store at some point. We're, we haven't really been able to kind of tie it back to the history, but that one was, start, was um, built in like the early 1800s. 
Um, and then my sister, who is a super savvy researcher and um, kind of journalist background, she um, traced all the deeds uh, mm. for the property. And so we were able to find like tons of cool, we love history, so tons of cool, you know, former residents and connections, like the former, um, one of the founders of Franklin and Marshall, which is in Lancaster. College, he yeah. was the first treasurer. He was a former owner. Um, some other, you know, ties to George Washington and sure yeah lots of lots of cool yeah history. but i think the the main reason this property is here as it sits is definitely the spring it it kind of mm -hmm. is the source of why the everything was built up and the fact that you know 100 gallon per minute spring just of at every you know, year round at 56 59 degrees running was the essentially created that distillery so this place that's why it was here we think i mean we found or, or val found essentially the things from articles that were uh, showing trading some of the spirits made from here for plaster. So, and that was probably what, in the 1800s yeah. uh, back? So yeah, there's documentation that we've seen that shows it being used as a distillery on it, which is just really cool. But this, this building that we're in is a little bit older. It's all hand-hewn beams. So you, it's fun to look at the history that you can find online, but then you're kind of looking architecturally at the house and seeing how was it built? And so this one, the hand-hewn beams, we figured out that this is probably late 1700s on it. And then early 1800s, they added a sawmill down at the Susquehanna River here, uh, right at Columbia. And the, uh, the house next door, actually, you can see the saw marks on the beams. So instead of the hand-hewn marks of all the lumber felled on site um, for this building, that one, it's uh, you know more true boards on it. That was probably built after the sawmill kind of came to be in this area. So it's fun on the press stuff, trying to figure out what was written about the property and who lived here, but also just looking at how it was built and figuring out mm -hmm. you know, what and when. And sometimes you're scratching your head, head why they did something like that. But you know, it's, uh, it's the fun of old houses. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm like having goosebumps hearing you guys talk about this. I mean, it's, it's beautiful architecture. I mean, this is really amazing. How much work did you guys have to put into this house? Like, I mean, from start to finish, from like when you started, purchase the house, to first nail or first like jack or whatever you're taking out, from from then to renting out the first day. Like, what? give us a little background, because I think people don't know how much work it goes into this. It's not, it wasn't turnkey. No. Okay. Not to, well, I mean, it could have been, but not to something that we would want our guests to experience. Okay. So. Um, we we kind of moved in in early January, and we immediately knew kitchen, both bathrooms need to be redone, lots of paint, every light fixture. Um, but the good news is that this this house doesn't have the, near the amount of plaster as the other house does, mm. so we didn't have to do all the really messy plaster repairs. We did a bunch of paint. Um, certainly the furnishings. I mean, it takes a while to you know find the right couch and chair to to make a cohesive design and style. Um, so I would say January until early May is when we were kind of hustling and working on it and, um, you know, working with different contractors, things like that. Yeah. And I'm a, my day job is as an engineer. And so when we walked into these houses, we saw how well, I mean, they've been here for a couple hundred years. They've clearly been built well. And the, they're stone houses that are two foot thick stone walls. They're not going to fall down. They're 
they're tough and uh, I always peek at, you know, what's the structure underneath, all, all the, the non-sexy stuff, your plumbings, your electricals. And these houses were solid on it. So as Lee said, yeah, it was the cosmetics, you know, making sure that it, mm -hmm. it was a place not that, it was a place that you want to stay at. And uh, it's always more work than you think. It always costs more than Scope you think, too. Scope always increases for some reason. Do you guys go into it like of a budget in mind? And then the budget just goes out of the door, like it blows it away. Like, and like to little point, yep. what you said, the old folks used to say, this house got some good bones on it. So that's like the old yeah. school saying uh, bones. Yeah. So that you sound, everything you're saying, it sounds like it has good bones on it. So like, you don't have to tell us the exact budget, but like, say if you came in, you're like, this is between 20000 Is it, have you just working with these projects in the past? Do you always try to stay close to that budget? Or is it always that like, we really don't need this, but it's going to look good in this house. Because you say you think in mind of your guests. Do you yeah. think in mind? Is that something that you guys think about? Yes. And that is, I think that's changed over the years. I mean, starting out in this business, we had to be very frugal. And we didn't have the money to get, you know, the Pottery Barn sofa or, like, the, you know, the, the, nice, the nicer version of whatever, you know, a faucet. Right. But that was a lesson learned along the way is because when we didn't kind of go for the quality initially, we had to do more repairs. And we were finding that like the dining room table that we got off Wayfair that maybe was, you know, not solid wood and not super good construction, two years later, after using after guests using it, you know, we'd have to replace it. So and it's more like a hassle at that time because you're it's always an emergency when something like that happens. You have to kind of scramble and figure out how you're gonna get a table quickly, how you're gonna, you know, get it out to the property in between guests. So it's, um, that's, to me, that's a lesson learned. We, we definitely on the first one, we, we were on a tight budget on the cabin and we got that up and up and running. And then over time we did some, some fixes and, and brought that up as well. And then we learned more on the, that, the farmhouse and, and that budget. I don't think we really budgeted much on that one, but we figured we didn't do it a out. Good job of it. Yeah. But that one, uh, that one was more. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, <clears throat> You know, it's one of those where it, it our properties have, have done well and people love them. And so they come and visit and we've we've been reinvesting that. And then having those properties when it came time to, to buy this one, it's it's a lot of reinvestment of those uh, of the funds made in these areas to to keep the next project rolling on it. But uh, and we don't want to downplay yeah, we don't want to downplay like the numbers piece. I'm a CPA by day. And Corey's extremely savvy financially. And um, really where we look at it is on the ROI, on the front end of purchasing the property. You know, a rough budget. And you can, it's always a rough budget because you just never know what surprises you're going to find, especially in the historic properties. Um, but just being conservative on what we think we're going to have to put into it. And the scope, again, always increases. We always say, oh, we can get away with that light fixture. And it, it always gets upgraded. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's not... We need to be better about budgeting, I think, on these projects. But we also are conservative about what we think the nightly rate can be when we're, you know, kind of looking at it on the front end of purchasing. And that always is conservative, and we're always able to exceed it just because we do kind of lovingly and, you know, very meticulously restore and furnish the properties. Yeah. How do you come up with the rate? I always wonder that. Like, you know, some places have this rate, some places has a rate. Is there like a formula behind it? It's a mix. Of, it's not a formula. It's a mix of, you know, heads and beds, they say, in the short-term rental industry. I mean, that we kind of have a mixed feeling on that. But, um, you know, how many people can it sleep? How many bathrooms does it have? 
looking at how other Airbnbs are doing in the area. So before we um, purchased this one, we absolutely searched other properties that had similar size and location just to make sure that we weren't out of range with what we were thinking for nightly rate. So. But we, we do like to, we're not going for the middle of the market. We do like to kind of have that the nicer experience on these ones. So, you know, we, we like to play in, in uh, amenity-rich areas. So, you know, the, you, know, other, you know, putting a lot of those features and other things that, you know, the other properties just don't have. We like those distinguishing things, you know, the, the spring here, you know, the, the pond on the side that's spring-fed, you know, the, all those little things are are priceless on that you know when people come here they get this great experience that not every airbnb is going to have so tell us how many bedrooms this house we're in how many bedrooms how many bathrooms how many square feet um if somebody wants to come after they watch this like i'm going to book this right away like tell us a little bit about it uh so it's three bedrooms two baths two full baths it's um it sleeps eight because we do have a sofa bed a lot of people bring their families and and little kids um so but it sleeps eight comfortably we don't you know you could probably squeeze in more but we just that's not kind of what we're going for we want we want our guests to have a good experience and if you're having 10 12 people sharing two bathrooms that just doesn't seem you know nice to me so okay and did you have to, to add anything to like any add rooms or add any bathrooms here or was it already here when you got here? They were both here, yeah, existing, okay. but we renovated top to bottom. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the layout bathrooms. was great here. And yeah. um, sometimes in these old houses, they can have uh, very chopped up uh, floor plans and that they're architecturally beautiful, but they can be uh, on the cozy side in each of the rooms. But since this uh, structure was used initially as like a barn or a distillery, it's taller ceilings, it's wide open rooms on a lot of these areas, which is which is very uncommon. And that's been great. And um, the previous owners did a great job in terms of creating the, the raw spaces that we were able to work with. And mm -hmm. we just brought them up to uh, the level that, that we would like. So I would, so if I'm <clears throat> a person who wants to start Airbnb, wants to get into business, what are some things that you didn't know in the beginning that you know now they're like, hey, you throw some game to me saying, hey, this is Aaron. Maybe you might want to do this. Maybe you want to start like this because, you know, getting that education of things unknown, would you get like what, what three, three things you would say off the top, like if somebody wanted to get into this? I would say research, but not too much. You do have to, you know, understand the market, figure out which area you want to buy in, figure out where you're not going to encounter all the, you know, short-term rental restrictions, which would be really problematic for your business. Um, but then also just go for it. I mean, you can only do so much analysis and, and um, research. You can kind of get all that information, but if you're not willing to just dive in and do it, um, you're going to just kind of waste all your time. Um, and then also another one that I have, I think, is distinguish yourself from other Airbnbs and kind of put yourself in what is a place that I'd want to stay in. Um, if you're not putting yourself in your guest's shoes, I don't think you're maximizing your potential of your business um, as far as, you know, profit and return on investment, right? If you're doing this, you want to get that return on investment. So put yourself in your guest's shoes, what it, um, try and understand what people want, what they're looking for, and um, find ways to deliver it. And then my third one is what we already talked about. Uh, don't cheap out. You're, it's just going to end up costing you more in the long run. So you know, don't don't cheap out on the faucets, the 
the beds. We are very um, particular about the beds we buy now. Um, you know, nice mattresses, nice linens. People want that hotel. Think of it as a hotel. So what would you, if you were going to say at a four-star hotel, five-star hotel maybe, um, what would you expect and, and be looking for? Um, I guess some of the key areas that we look at are location. So with that location, uh, you got to, if you're looking to buy an Airbnb property, you got to think about how far are you from that property if you're going to manage that. And that's we manage our properties. Self-manage, yep. And, uh, you know, how, how far are other people, you know? And we look at not just, uh, you know, what major cities. I kind of take a map. I draw a radius, you know, little circles around the cities, and I look for where they overlap. And uh, then what are the draws? You know, if I'm going to go stay at an Airbnb, I'm generally going to look at, you know, what's in that area? What, what would I initially search for in that area? That's something, some tourist draw that's going to bring you in there. Harper's Ferry has that draw. You know, Lancaster's got that, that draw on it, too. So that, that's a big one is the location aspects of it. I guess on some of it is really know yourself in terms of what type of property that you're looking for. You know, Lee had mentioned differentiating yourself, uh, but one thing that you got to consider is how much work are you willing to do yourself, mm -hmm. or you know how how much will you have to hire out, and then that location plays into that too because you have to manage all that work, and that can be a challenge. You know, um, the COVID era has been good in the sense that we can get out and work remote and see some of the things happening here but that's uh that's a, a challenge you know over, over time so that location definitely plays into that yeah make sure and also make sure you have a good insurance tax accountant and um realtor <laughs> yeah and then with the locations you know you got to think about if you're gonna pick an area you know how it's gonna are you gonna scale in that area stay in that area because you're going to form all these relationships in that area. You're going to meet the local businesses, frequent those places, the contractors in that area, your cleaning, your cleaning area, people in that area. And uh, if you can keep things in that area, then it it's just going to be a little bit easier to manage on it. So if you have multiple areas on it, that you just have to learn some of it, relearn some of those, and build new relationships. I love it. I love it. You guys answered. Every question that I was asking, I love it. You ready to start an Airbnb now? I know, I know. I'm ready to stay here, folks. I will be here. I can't wait to stay here. It's beautiful. So I always ask speed round questions. This is excuse me, we're done. That fire. But so, crabs or crab cakes? Crabs, because it's more of a celebration, like the drinks and the time. Crabs. I mean, but once or twice in a year, that's good. After that, once I have my fill for that. Cakes, so uh, okay, okay. Ice cream or snowballs? Ice cream. Ice cream. Okay, but okay. We're the, we're, so we're the Midwesterners who never understood the Baltimore <laughs> snowball. I just don't get the appeal of it, but I, you know. It's not just ice cream; it's custard for oh, us. You know, oh, we do the custard oh. side, so that's just Midwesterner in us. Okay, red or white wine? Rosé. Oh, is that okay. <laughs> neither, neither for me. Neither for you. Doritos or Cheetos? Spicy hot Cheetos. Doritos. I think the Cool Ranch, even <laughs> just because, I don't know, like memories of childhood with that. I mean, they make your breath <laughs> terrible, but like. You're always looking at your fingers, though. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, live on the edge. Drums or flats for chicken wings? Drums. Drums. More meaty. Okay. Blue cheese or ranch? 
Blue cheese for me. <coughs> Especially if you have olives anywhere in the situation. No on the olives and no on the blue cheese for me. <laughs> no, I'm definitely ranch. Okay. Definitely ranch. <laughs> and what is the best advice you two ever received? Uh, one day at a time. And that's hard for me, and I have to remind myself that all the time just because I've, I'm a planner and kind of a strategy person. But if you start to think how much – I'll use the house as an example that we're renovating across the driveway – if you start to think of how much stuff there is to do and how you're going to get to that point, you start to get overwhelmed and you just have to bite it off one day at a time. Don't, don't think too far ahead. Still keep the strategy mindset, but don't overwhelm yourself. Yeah. Maybe not as advice as much that I got, but more like a saying that kind of sticks in my head. It follows the theme that Lee mentioned, uh, kind of a Zen saying of chop, chop wood, carry water of, you know, instead of getting overwhelmed, because these projects can be overwhelming at times, is to just do the next thing. You know, what what can I do next? Not to fix everything, but you know, what can you do to just keep it moving forward? And uh, then um, a way that helps me keep sane in all this on the renovation sides is not is to not look back at what you got done today, but look back in longer intervals of a couple weeks, and that that helps me keep my sanity mm -hmm. through this of seeing, wow, we. Maybe yesterday we didn't get every thing done we hoped, but over two weeks, a lot has gotten done. I love it. Thank you, guys. And where can we find you on social media for perennials? Like, where can we get you guys so we can plug? Because we want people to stay here. We want people to come. It's only an hour away from Baltimore, folks. Quick drive, easy. Where can we find social media? Perennial stays on Instagram, and our website is there. Link in the bio where you can book a stay. Folks, this is part of the new travel series that I'll be doing, uh, highlighting things outside of Baltimore. You can go only our way. Uh, thank you guys for having me here at your lovely place. This is an amazing interview. I've learned a lot. I'm actually taking notes in my phone right now because, man, I'm about to get in this hustle real quick. But uh, <laughs> I always tell people, if you couldn't figure out a hustle during the pandemic, then it's the only time you can really do something. And you guys are living proof that from Baltimore doing big things. And we want to salute you guys for doing something just amazing. And thank you for having us to come up here, have a time. Thank you so much for it. So much for you guys. Appreciate Thanks, Aaron. It. Thank you so much. And for happy birthday. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Folks, love, peace. We're out. New Travel Series. Check it out. Baltimore Fiscal Partners is a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and consulting services for nonprofits, small businesses, and with experience running nonprofits and small businesses, they know that there's not always enough time at the end of the day for you to focus on your finances, whether it's monthly bookkeeping or an annual audit, tax preparation, or consulting, nonprofit or small business. Baltimore Fiscal Partners provides full range or tailored solutions that keep your goals and budget in mind. Learn more about Baltimore Fiscal Partners online at BaltimoreFiscal.com or follow them at Baltimore Fiscal on Facebook and Instagram.